It's great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Just a second, I'm going to talk about making more. So you got more to keep. Clark.com, our main website. ClarkDeals.com, our deal site where you get bargains each and every day. Coming up in just a few minutes in today's Clark Rageous Moment, you buy a cell phone that's supposedly waterproof, but then the company that sells that to you is tone deaf and doesn't honor their warranty on waterproof? Yep, that's today's Clark Rage. And coming up in a little bit later after that, we're going to talk about a way that you can protect yourself from a very common crime where people compromise your debit card. I want to talk at this moment about something that has been a conundrum. Here we are with extremely low unemployment in the United States, extremely low. And in spite of that, a lot of people are getting measly little raises where they work. And this is a serious issue because many Americans are making less today than they were making a decade ago. Because once we went into the financial scandals, the banking scandals, and the Great Recession that followed it, it hollowed out the workplace, and people have struggled ever since to get back to where they were a decade ago. But what's happening right now is what some economists informally refer to as the two-speed or two-speed economy where there are people that are right now seeing very nice wage gains and others that are just hoping to hold on even to what they're making right now. And the key differential, the key difference is your choice of work and the training you have for the work you have. I saw an item that was in the Denver Post about who is seeing the greatest pay increases right now. And I hadn't seen this anywhere else, which is why it was particularly something that was intriguing to me that the people that are seeing their pay rates rise the fastest in the U.S. economy right now are people who have sales skills, people that can get out and sell, are seeing they are in such hyper demand right now that their wages are going up roughly 10% year over year. That's where the average person may be lucky right now to get a 2% raise, and people that can sell getting a 10% raise. And there are a number of things like that you'd expect. People who are working in technology, IT, seeing raises that are roughly triple the rate of inflation. And I could go on with examples, but the point is that if you are in a job category that at best you're going sideways, and your employer looks at you as disposable, 
your real power is in the marketplace, potentially getting some new skills or whatever. And a lot of times at an employer where they put you in a backwater, they have employee training programs that most people don't take advantage of because they have to do them in unpaid hours. Grab a hold of that stuff. Take advantage of it and get the training that your own employer might be willing to offer that would lead you to being more valuable to them and get you a better opportunity. Because let me share with you how bad it can get. Okay, this is a stunner. Carl's Jr., they also own Hardee's. In order to hold down their employee wages, they have a clause in their franchise agreements that if you come in to apply at one and you've worked at another one of their locations, you're not allowed to be hired by that place. Now, remember, you're not under... Uh, an employment agreement that says you can't go work somewhere else, but they impose on the franchise where you can't go work somewhere else within that same system to hold down wages. And they're not alone. New York Times says Burger King does that as well, Pizza Hut, and that is a direct effect where they're trying... I mean, what about trying to squash a bug? Here's somebody... Working fast food, which is not a high-paying job, obviously, and then trying to make sure that they have no upward mobility at all, that's pretty rotten. More skills, more education, how you overcome employment exploitation. Joshua, well, that kind of rhymed. Joshua is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Joshua. Hi, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Sure, Joshua. You have something you're doing in your life that is awesome. Yes, I believe I'm in a unique situation. So I'm an applicant for a position with the federal government, and they offer to relocate the applicant. Um, My question is, what would happen to my credit standing if all of a sudden my home loan were to be paid off? So by that, you mean you're going to sell your home or they have a reload package where if your home doesn't sell in a certain period of time, they take care of it, you're done, you pay off your mortgage, you're out. Right. That's my understanding. Okay. So as long as you have other forms of credit, it is insignificant in what it would do to your credit profile and your credit score if you suddenly have a paid off mortgage. You'll have, the, you'll have the historical record that's so important and accounts for more than a third of your credit score of paying your bills on time every month. And that will remain as very valuable to you. And tell me, do you have credit cards? I do, yes. Like, I haven't, I'll tell you this, I haven't had a mortgage in years. No mortgage, no car loans, Nothing like that. And the only credit I actually have are credit cards, and I still have a credit score in the 800s. So having paid off a mortgage will not in any way uh, 
impact your credit score by any significant amount. Great. That's good to know. And I'm just curious, what kind of skills do you have that the feds are willing to open up the wallet and relocate you? The position I applied for is with the U.S. Postal Inspection Service, and I just completed my graduate program. So you're going to be a law enforcement officer, huh? Yes, sir. Well, good. Well, I'm glad they want you, they need you, and they're willing to offer you a generous enough relocation that you can just move and not have to worry about getting rid of that house. Ryan is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Clark. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Ryan, you have a question for me that has always been a difficult one for me to answer over the years. So hit me with it. (laughs) Well, my fiancé and I are getting a puppy from a breeder within the next few weeks, and she wanted to have pet insurance. Now, I've never had a pet before. This will be my first time. And I was kind of leery about whether is it something that's really needed. We've explored a couple of options. I looked at um, one I could get through my auto insurance provider and another big name one. And it seems like the coverage varies greatly and the price per month because one covers, it serves kind of just as like a fallback if the worst happens, like a big surgery. And the other one's more comprehensive and then considerably more a month. And I was just wondering... Is any of that really necessary for a dog? All right. So I get where you stand on this. You think this is a crazy thing to buy a policy. <laughs> I hear it in your voice. So Yeah, I'm a little skeptical. <laughs> yeah, so let me lay out the deal. All right. So you can go back even maybe only 20 years ago. And from that point all the way back in time, if a dog got terribly ill people would just say, that's terrible, we really enjoyed our time with our dog, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Today, anything pretty much that's done in people medicine is now available in pet medicine. Right. So people are doing extraordinary care for cancers in pets, um, a variety of heart ailments in pets, uh, organ uh, illnesses, in pets, I mean, all kinds of things that were never on the table even a generation ago. So now you're dealing with a pet that could have medical bills that would be equal or exceeding what a human would have. And that's why pet insurance has become such a thing with people buying it to protect an animal. So let me pose this question to you. If this new pet of yours needed major extraordinary surgery, what would the two of you do? Well, I know she would want to go ahead with the surgery. Okay. (laughs) All right. So, and this is your wife or girlfriend? Uh, Fiance. Fiance. So we're kind of in between. (laughs) Okay. So you ever heard the old Chinese proverb, happy wife, happy life? Yes. Okay. So you're going to have to know all about that as soon as you walk down that aisle. (laughs) And if she would do all extraordinary means for this pet, unless the two of you are loaded with money, you need to look at buying the pet insurance. Yeah, that's what what I figured. (laughs) Now, let me tell you how to buy it. Okay. 
So first, you got to make sure any policy you consider doesn't exclude the breed it is that you've gotten mm-hmm. or specific conditions that are common to that breed. Mm-hmm. You're usually going to have to pay the money first, even if it's in the thousands, and wait mm-hmm. for reimbursement. And I believe that you, that you should buy the pet insurance that the veterinarian you pick Mm-hmm. tells you is the one that they've had the best results with. Okay. Because the vet practices don't want to get in the middle of something where uh, you think you're going to be covered by a policy, you lay out thousands of dollars for something, and then the pet insurance doesn't pay, and you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You did all this, I got all these bills, and now it's not covered by insurance? So the veterinary medicine practices are careful about what policies they recommend. Okay. Yeah, so, you wanted to do it while the um, puppy's very young, because I guess with the comparison to people's insurance, you want to get it before any um, medical conditions creep in. Right, the, the pre-existing clauses. Off. Right. And so you'll have a number of uh, well baby visits, I guess you'd call them, <laughs> for your new pet. Uh, early in your pet's life, and that's when you get the opportunity to really discuss this with the veterinary, veterinary medicine, the vet, and you'll know uh, as best you can know which policy you should own. But telling you, if she is going to want to do all to save this pet, you buy that insurance. Today's Clark Rageous moment is to shine a light on something that is completely unacceptable. You go buy a Samsung phone for nearly $1,000 and then something goes wrong with it and Samsung's like, who are you? Why should we help you? Today's Clark Rage. Scams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a Clark Rageous moment. Samsung makes a variety of products that are in many cases considered to be the absolute style leader in their industries, in TVs, uh, appliances, cell phones. But when something goes wrong, Samsung isn't there for you. I cannot believe how much in my TV work I've had to talk about Samsung not fixing people's washers it had been defective. You know, if you're going to sell a product, you're going to sell it for a premium price, you need to be there for your customer. Now, there are reports appearing that Samsung is not standing behind people who have bought their newest galaxies, the S8 and the S8 Plus, when they have a problem with the phone, particularly if it gets wet. The phone sold is supposedly being able to get wet. It's supposed to be able to go in the water and come out and work just fine. But when Consumer Reports did tests on the S7 Active, which was supposed to be one that you could live a really wild life with, it failed their tests. And now... Samsung has finally agreed to give people exchanges 
for the S7 Active if they have a problem with it, issues related to water damage, but then only if you've had the phone less than a year. And now here we go with people having problems with the new one that they refer to as water and dust resistant, faster and more efficient. But then the guarantee, according to consumeraffairs.com, when moisture is detected, they are not there for you. Samsung, shame on you. You got to do better. You spend, you get people to spend a fortune on these products. Treat them right. Welcome to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website, and you want to follow me on Facebook? That's easy. Facebook.com slash Clark Howard. The reports coming out from all over the country about people who are doing pay at the pump at a gas station or using an ATM and then within minutes or hours having their checking account emptied, they're, they're everywhere right now. I mean, one local TV station after another and city after city doing these stories. And this is a terrible problem because the security features are basically non-existent at ATMs and at pay at the pump at the gas station, the technology isn't even scheduled to update for two more years. And then you add into this that criminals can make a device that will skim your card number and your pen apparently now for three dollars. Three dollars. Somebody can buy what they need and within minutes steal a lot of card numbers and be off to the races. This is a plague right now because of the chip cards and more and more retailers where the cards are chip red. Even if criminals tap into those card readers, they're only getting a one-time use code and they have nothing they can steal with. And that's why they've gone where the vulnerabilities are. And the vulnerabilities exist because the banks have failed to update technology for the most part on debit cards. They have failed to update their ATMs. And because of the complexity of updating gas station pay at the pump, gas stations' payment systems are completely vulnerable, and that's why that's going to be exposed for the next couple of years. So what do you do? Well, if you have an Android, there's now a free way for you to make sure a machine you're going to use is going to be safe. It's called Skimmer Scammer. Let me say that three times. Skimmer Scanner. Skimmer Scanner. Skimmer Scanner. That's it. That's the app. So you just download it on your Google Play Store. It's free to use. And it will help you determine if a pay at the pump has been compromised or an ATM has been compromised. just takes a couple of seconds. If you have an iPhone, there's nothing like that for it yet. But the best answer of all, and I'm repeating myself because I want to drill this into your head, give up the convenience to pay at the pump if you want to use a debit card. Instead, go inside, pay inside, come back out and pump gas, or buy gasoline on a credit card where you're not exposed, you're not at risk. Again, that app 
It's called Skimmer Scanner. Could somebody write something like that for iPhones? I guess that people who have iPhones have so much money that it doesn't matter if somebody loots their checking account. Steven's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Steven. Hi, Clark. Hey, first I wanted to say uh, thank you for the invaluable service you provide to all us consumers out there um, swimming in this sea of sharks. So uh, just thank you for that. Well, I appreciate that, and that's very kind of you. You know, I have a privilege that I get to do something I love, and I've been able to do so for 30 years. Well, that's that's awesome. Um, uh, my question was uh, regarding uh, purchasing a, a rent, rental condo for cash and whether I need to utilize a title company to transfer ownership and pay all the fees associated with that transaction. Yeah, what's very important in that case is that uh, you'd be using a title company. You want to buy owner's title insurance from them. The money that you have to spend for them to handle the transaction and to for you to then buy the owner's title policy is very valuable if you're paying cash for a property because the title insurance is what protects you if there's ever a challenge that comes up to your rightful ownership of the property. And there's a much higher risk when it's a cash transaction that there could be an issue later with the title. When you when you buy something with a mortgage, the mortgage lender is going to require a title check, and they're going to require that you buy a title policy that protects not you, but protects the bank. And right. so when you are the equivalent of the bank because you're paying the cash, you need to go through that same process, even though it creates expenses that you're like, why would I spend all that money? Because yeah, you wouldn't okay. want to ever be in a position where somebody took the place away from you. Right. Well, uh, sounds like good advice. So I'm really excited that you're able to buy a property for cash and turn it into a rental property. Have you ever been a landlord before? Uh, I have not. I love being a landlord. And our producer, Joel, loves being a landlord. He's a landlord. Three properties at this point. I have I have three. And it's um, it's not for everybody. But it's a great opportunity to get rich slowly. And so if you're patient and you're really thorough in picking your tenants, it's a great way to diversify and make money. Joe joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Joe. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Great. Thank you. You have a question for me that is always a puzzle for people. Yes, I do. I have a $28,000 pension that I just was informed by a large company I used to work for. I can take a one-time lump sum that they're offering one time, or I can keep it in there until I'm 65 and draw $218 a month for the rest of my remainder. So I am 59, I will be 60 in January, and I don't know how to help this grow, uh, but I do know that I need to do something soon because I'm on a time limit. 
So, but you do have the option of just letting it sit for five years and then having them, like clockwork, send you that check every month. Yes, but on the condition that it will not grow. They right. projected how much it was going to be at 65, so uh, I won't be growing the money at all. Okay, so almost always the math works for you to have them send you the check every month forever. That if you think about $28,000, that was the amount you said, right? Yes. That your ability to generate out of it something that would be around 10% of that money every year, it's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And because they're dealing with billions of dollars as a gigantic company that are in their pension funds, and they're widely diversifying it, and they're doing the calculations, and they're calculating everybody's mortality, that unless you are in uh, poor health with a likely shortened lifespan, it almost 100% of the time is better to take that monthly check that you didn't even expect anyway, right? Right. Than to have a lump sum that you then have to try to figure out how to invest and what to do with it. Okay. And so you, I said almost 100% of the time. Can I tell you the only exception? Okay. It's if the company itself is in terrible financial shape. And if your former employer looks really unhealthy, they're losing money, there's stories about how they may not make it, then you don't want to take that monthly payout. But uh, this, I see the company now. Nobody's worried about that company. Okay. <laughs> so I would ride the time and then know, and yes, it's true. You could you could die the day after the checks start, and it's like the math didn't work for you. But actuarially, you know, you if you're a healthy woman approaching your 60th birthday, you know, you have a big shot of living even into your 90s. Mm-hmm. And so having that money that you weren't expecting just being there every single month is really outstanding. Carmen is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Carmen. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Carmen. You are having a ridiculous problem with your bank that handles your mortgage. Yes. Um, I pay my mortgage monthly through ACH. However, I'm finding out that the the mortgage company has been holding the money and not distrib- distributing the money until whenever it feels like it. Um, wait, so wait, wait, wait. Month- wait, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. This is worse than I thought. So you Uh-oh. have given your mortgage company permission to draft your checking account through uh, Automated Clearinghouse. Yes. And they come in through ACH. They grab the money that's your mortgage payment on the schedule yes. that they require, and then yes. they're not posting it on time? No. They're, and they've been, they've been posting as late payment, which has um, ruined my credit, and, um, and, and charging me late fees. And what's but their I, excuse when you call customer no service? <laughs> they're saying that I did not tell them how to distribute the funds. 
um, or where to put the funds at. Wait, 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 wait. This is a mortgage. They're coming yeah. in. They're drafting your account for that yeah. mortgage, and then they claim they don't know how to apply the money for their own mortgage? Yes, and I didn't tell them. Well, you know, <laughs> ACH is where you're not, it's different than bill pay, where you're bill paying them. They're getting the money on time, right? Yes. All right. Let me tell you, there's a procedure I want you to follow. Okay. And I'm not a gambling man, but I am willing to bet you $1, that's a big amount for me, that your problems with this mortgage lender will be resolved to your satisfaction within 30 days if all the facts lay out just as you told me. I'm putting that dollar up. Ready? Yes. I want you to go to the website I'm about to give you, consumerfinance.gov. Consumerfinance.gov. And you're going to file a complaint against the mortgage lender. And under the law, they must respond to the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, and they must respond to you. And what happens is it gets it out of that customer no-service hamster wheel with the people that either on purpose or because they don't care or cheating you and fouling up your reputation. Right. And I have found repeatedly when people go file a complaint about their mortgage company misbehaving at consumerfinance.gov that within weeks everything clears up. But my question also, if you have time, was what has it affect the amortization because if they're if they're getting the payments but they're applying them late, does my do I go into a negative amortization on this loan? Well you should be able to tell just from looking at the balance online of your mortgage. But I don't even want to get into the weeds of if they're reamortizing your loan and creating negative amortization for you and for people who don't know what that means, that means your loan balance even though you're paying, is rising over time instead of shrinking. I want you to get this fixed. Okay. And so please go on consumerfinance.gov, file the complaint, and then uh, in a month or less, I want to hear from you how it's resolved. Because as soon as you file the complaint, it starts the clock on getting it resolved with the lender. And they are excellent at responding to the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau where they put you on ignore solving your problem. Okay. Okay? You, you're so frustrated I can hear it. You don't believe me? This works over and over again, Carmen. You got to trust me on it. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. 
Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at Clark.com. Producer Joel asks it for you. Who's up, Joel? Clark Tracy's up says, I have been seeing advertisements for this website, privacy.com. It's a third-party site. It's a third-party site that allows you to pay for online purchases with a virtual burner card. Is it smart to use a service like this? So the idea of a burner card is if you don't use credit cards and you want to make sure that your account doesn't get emptied by a crook, you have a one-time use number. And with that one-time use number, even if somebody wanted to misuse it, it doesn't do them any good because it's already been used the one time. I should point out that the reviews of it are very positive. People really have liked it. But if you like the idea of a disposable number, many banks, not most, but many do offer the ability for you to have a one-time use number when you're doing online shopping that can be used with a credit or debit card. But if you just want something simple, this seems to do just what they promote. All right. William says, Clark, after I freeze my credit with the three major credit bureaus, what will be visible to someone who runs a credit check on me? They can't run a credit check on you. That's the whole idea of credit freeze is that if somebody needs to run your credit, let me go back a step. If you're already an existing customer of someone, it's a permissible use, even with a credit freeze, for them to check your credit. So any credit cards you already have, uh, anybody you've already borrowed money from, anything like that, if your relationship with them was established before you set up credit freeze, they can still check your credit at will. On the other hand, if you want to open a new line of credit, get a new cell phone, want to establish service with a utility company, get a satellite, pay TV, whatever, you're going to have to thaw your credit. And depending on your state, there may or may not be a fee for that temporarily for them to be able to check your credit so you can proceed with whatever service or product you want to do. All right. David says, how do I figure out the limitations on contributing to a Roth based upon my income? Well, it depends if you're single or married. Generally, if you're, uh, if you're married, you're able to do a Roth up to income of 186000 a year. If you're single, it's 118000 a year. So most people make below those limits. If you make above them, saving for retirement gets a little more difficult. But I'd say that's probably a good problem to have. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. I appreciate you tuning in to The Clark Howard Show. And if you'd like more fun stuff to listen to by podcast, well, we have our Empowerment Zone. This is where you get to hear the stories of people that have done amazing things, either in overcoming hardship in their lives or things they've done to accomplish, go to clark.com slash empowerment zone.